Hey everyone, welcome back once again to Latter-day Takes. Uh, it's me, Harper Anderson, your host, and I want to take some time. I don't know how much time. I almost never write a script down for these intros. In fact, I think I've only done that once, maybe twice. But I wanted to take a second because this is the last episode of the year, episode number 84, and... I'm very happy, I'm very grateful, and just overall feeling blessed about everybody that has given me feedback about this podcast. It's been really fun to see the progression of this podcast. It kind of started as an idea between me and a friend, and I kind of was the one that was throwing it out there. I'm a big podcast guy. I like listening to podcasts, and I thought, you know what? We kind of have these funny conversations around BYU sports, so maybe we put it out there, right, for other people to listen to. Well, obviously, that evolved from just... BYU sports to just a lot of other things because I like talking about a lot of different topics, um, politics, religion, society, culture, all that stuff. And I like to kind of keep it tethered to the lens of who I am, which is, you know, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a single man in Utah, things like that. So I started evolving and wanted to get the conversation kind of more broad than just BYU sports. Obviously, I pepper in BYU sports regularly because it just it's good fodder. It's something to talk about. But I've gotten a lot of feedback from you people, from the, from listeners, that they like these conversations. And it's been very, very nice and heartwarming to hear. Could not be more grateful for the time that people have taken to tell me that they enjoy it. And that more than that, that they take the time to even listen. Um, I'm, I'm extremely... Uh, humbled by that and, and I mean that seriously you know I, uh, I I I want people to know that you know when I make this content you know it's it's an honor to think that there's anybody that would actually take the time to to listen and then not only that but you know give me some feedback and, and talk about how much they liked it so anyway I don't want to go off go on too long about that one but um, it's been a year since I've done this and it's been fun and I'm excited for what the new year might bring me. And this is where I appeal to the listeners. You know, I, I, I'm nothing without anybody's help. So if you have a second, maybe, you know, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review that always helps. Um, obviously I've offended some people because the review, I think my rating is like 4.3 out of five or something like that, but, um, can't please everybody. And in some ways, that's kind of nice to see that I'm not just saying things that everybody is going to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, sometimes you got to talk about the hard topics, and I'm, I'm I like doing that, you know. And I, I sincerely try not to offend people. Obviously, I've said some things in passing that have offended people, um, and sometimes it's because I'm just not thinking about things all the way through. Other times, because I just don't mean to. It's just indirectly offending people. But anyway. My overall point being is that I really am grateful for all of you as listeners and just kind of the time you've taken to just not just listen, but tell me how much you've enjoyed this and it's been really encouraging and I'd like to keep this going and it really has been a steady climb of success and so I would like to see the same type of growth coming into next year. Anyway, I'm always open to suggestions. If you guys have any ideas of who to talk to, what to talk about, please let me know. Um... And if you have an idea that you'd like to talk about that I feel like fits the audience and fits the brand of the podcast, you're always welcome to approach me about that. And please continue to give me feedback 
and maybe what you don't like and things like that. I get plenty of feedback about BYU sports and how it's kind of like, I kind of tune out for that. I totally get it. Totally get it. Um, wanted to give a major shout out though to the today's guest who you are all too familiar with, Chase Bartholomew, who on his birthday came on to the last episode of the year. Didn't even think twice about it. It was very nice. He was very gracious in that, which I don't know if anyone's ever referred to as Chase Bartholomew as gracious, but that's, there you go. There's a first for everything. He was gracious to come on and he's been, I've been very grateful for kind of just him being able to, on the drop of a hat, get on a podcast. Um, and I've probably given him too hard of a time sometimes when he hasn't been able to make it and it's not like he's getting paid. So (laughs) it's, uh, I gotta, I do have to be, uh, better about that, but Chase is great. Um, it's his birthday, giving him a shout out for that. And I could not be more grateful for his uh, facilitation of this as well, for helping me kind of launch some things and for his ideas and for his uh, desire and willingness to come on and share his opinion, especially in a day and age when your opinion can be used against you in any context and just a, in any situation, all of a sudden you find yourself you know, on the chopping block. But he's never hesitated and I appreciate that. And then thank you all again as listeners, subscribers, just the audience in general. It's been fun. Um, and I I could not be more happy about where I'm at a year later. And I hope it continues to grow, like I said. And it can only grow with your help. So spread the word. Share it. If it has been impactful in any way, or if you think that you want me to go my, kind of one direction more than the other, less of this, more of that, um, things like that, I'm all ears. Please let me know. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, it's at Latter-day Takes on Instagram. My own personal Instagram handle is at Harpy. Both are open, so they're, I'm pretty easy to contact on those. And um, Twitter, I, I have a Latter-day Takes handle, but I never use it. So I'm just Harper D. Anderson on Twitter. And Facebook, you can find me on as Harper D. Anderson as well. Pretty easy to follow. So if you want to reach out, I would love that. I hope you all have a wonderful Merry Christmas. It's a great time of year to reflect on our own blessings and how we can help bless others around us. That's what communities are all about. That's what the gospel is all about and religion is recognizing when we can serve others because as we reach out to lift others up, we cannot help but feel those blessings ourselves. It's pretty amazing how that works and it has zero scientific explanation as to why we feel better about ourselves besides the fact that I truly believe that's the spirit of God burning within us. I really do believe that. That's also why I believe, and this is going to sound like a tangent, that altruism isn't real because you will always be benefited from acts that you give. Even if you do it anonymously, you will always feel that that gratitude for just feeling good about doing something nice. Anyway, I encourage you all to do that and to recognize your own blessings within as well as ways in which you can bless those around you. Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a happy new year. I'll see you next year, and I'm excited to hit the ground running then. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. 
Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the Mormons, Mormons were the correct Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. Well, that must have been some kind of doll. She was. She was. See, I never caught that before. Uh, all right. So this is the beginning of the podcast. And happy Festivus to you, Chase. Hey, I am I am number one celebrator of Festivus. I've uh, I I was picturing during that while you were playing that back, I was picturing the doll that looked like George's mom. Oh yeah, she was. <laughs> that must have been some doll. Um, so Jerry Seinfeld, side note, actually cited that as like one of his funniest. Like like he just loved the fact that like the subtlety of the writing, which was I went to go grab a doll for my son. <laughs> And Jerry's like looked at that as one of the funniest things. Um, in in twenty twenty one, that would be pretty woke. Yeah, that's true. In fact, Jerry Seinfeld shouldn't find that funny at all. Um. Anyway, here we are. We're going to be airing our grievances today. And for those that don't know what that is, that's a big part of Festivus because we you get your family together and tell them all the ways that they've disappointed you around dinner. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it. And what we wanna do to start out this podcast episode is talk about BYU football and all the ways they've disappointed us. Maybe BYU sports in general, but we're definitely starting with BYU football. How do you feel about that, Chase? Well, all I can say is the following, is I- Well, this isn't all you're gonna say, let's be real. Okay, well, (laughs) this is the sum up my overall point of this is if I were to draw a Venn diagram, one of the circles being losing to UAB and the other circle being a successful season, those circles do not overlap. And uh, so we have a real problem here because we've been enjoying this, what, what up until this point was a great season, but we just lost to UAB from Conference USA. And now we have to try to reconcile that with some positive spin on the season, which for me is hard to do. Yeah. So let me just ask you real quick. Do you think the season was overall successful or not? I think we did enough good things for it to be considered a great season, but that gets canceled out by a loss to UAB and less so Boise State. But still, uh, you know, it was a season of I guess it was a bipolar season would be the best way to put it. I think we had the highest highs this season, maybe as high as we've had in our lifetimes with, you know, the six P five wins, we've never done that before, even anything close to it, but you know, we had some bad losses and uh, you know, even before the UAB loss to have the season end in a bowl game, we didn't really want to be in was it kind of sucked. So, you know, all in all, it was a good season. We're going to be finished. We'll finish ranked unless the, the voters really didn't like what they saw, but I imagine we'll probably finish like 21, which is still a good season. It's just not great. 
Um, I would say to answer my own question, there's no qu- there's no doubt it was a successful season. I think going into this season, I had no expectations that I didn't even have an expectation of beating Utah. You could go back to our past podcast. I actually didn't think it was going to happen. Um, I mean, we, we thought that Utah was going to be a lot better team than they were at the beginning of the season. And then that kind of came to fruition towards the middle and the end of the season. But I still think um, beating Utah was a wild success as well as um, beating, as you mentioned, the six P five teams beat going undefeated in the PAC 12 uh, just being ranked in the top 15 for half the season, unfortunately ending outside of the top 15. No, no question now. But when you look at the microcosm of how the season ended, I do actually think there are some bigger issues that do need to be talked about this. I don't think this can be glossed over. Now I understand we're, we're more cynical fans than typical with the whole Genesis of the podcast in the first place, but it's, it, it's worth mentioning that when you go in the bowl game and completely, for lack of a better term, craft the bed, I don't understand how you can justify that in any sense whatsoever. That was a big, big oversight by our football team. I think that's kind of a coaching problem more than anything. I'm not necessarily pinning it all on Kalani. I think there's probably some positional coaches at play like that are kind of under the gun here, specifically Tuiaki, who, as far as I'm concerned, he's had his bright spots. He seems to adjust pretty well. But at the end of the day, I, I still think he's he, the biggest indictment lies on him because it, our defense really, for as good as we, we have played at some points, we really made some games closer than we should have, I felt like. And then others would look at that and say, well, that's really an indictment on injuries and how much that's taken a toll. Totally get that. If you're going to make that argument, then you cannot possibly make the argument that we're going to make an impact in the Big 12 right away at all. That it legitimately will take at least three to five years to find momentum in the Big 12. Because if we're losing to UAB at the end of the freaking season in the Independence Bowl Conference USA team, as you noted, how in the world are we supposed to survive against, say, for example a five and six Texas tech at the end of the season when, I mean, we're, we're probably seven and five at that point or whatever, seven, six and six and five, like we, every game is going to be a crapshoot if we're struggling with injuries and struggling near the end of the season. I, I, I mean, the big 12 is going to be a rude awakening is my overall point there. I do not know how you can go into this game and not think we have a chance to end top 10. We have a chance to prove the playoff committee wrong and let everybody know that BYU football was always for real this season that has all been squandered by completely just coming out not pumped. And that's the thing that I recognize right away. We did not look like we were excited to be there at all. Am I wrong? No, you're right. And, I mean, this is maybe a, a bigger – not just BYU. This is a college football problem is bowl games just aren't really an incentive anymore. No, I remember back in the 90s, like, it seemed like a bowl game was such a big deal. Regardless of what game you were in, everyone was always excited about the bowl game. And now you have, like, on every major team, a star player sitting out for their bowl games. Even, like, the New Year's Six bowl games, they want to focus on their NFL career, and they just say, see you later. And uh, and so, clearly, the postseason of college football is partially to blame here. This, it's just not – it's just an exhibition game, and especially in BYU's case where you're playing – a game against uh, a team that really, I mean, I granted the, the result of the game says otherwise, but 
a game that really should never have even been played in the first place. I mean, BYU, even if they didn't get a New Year's Six, deserved to play another P5 opponent. And uh, so, you know, the motivation problem is a factor. And I think, honestly, I would like to put this to the test gambling and on the sports books and, and say, you know, look at any bowl game, which team seems more excited to be there based on like, you know, how their season went and what they think they should get versus what they actually got. And I would say more often than not, that's going to predict the outcome of the game is who really wants to be there. And BYU just didn't want to be at the Independence Bowl. The whole season they were holding out for this New Year's Six and it didn't happen. And they had to play UAB and you could tell they didn't want to be there. And there's enough parity in college football where if one team really wants to be there and one doesn't, you know, that, that, that alone can push the outcome of the game in the other direction. And I would also say that um, uh, the rain seems to be a problem for BYU this year. We're 0-2 Yeah. You bring up an interesting point overall that basically outside of the playoff, you're going to see a huge lurking variable at play when it comes to these matchups. And that was actually something I was pointing out, pointed out by a friend of mine who's a huge Utah fan. I think he's even a donor. He's definitely a season ticket holder. And he's going to the Rose Bowl. He's super pumped. And he's saying, you know, one of the chances, he's like, objectively speaking, Ohio State's the better team than Utah, but we have a chance because Ohio State may not want to be there. And they may be a little bit bummed out that they had, they drew Utah on this, right? And they, Utah, on the other hand, may say, like, let's mop the floor with Ohio State and prove to everybody once again. And, and he cited 2009 Sugar Bowl as evidence of how that can play out because he's like, no question, Alabama was the better team. Alabama was bummed that they got, um, slighted from get, making the national championship that year. So they come into this sugar bowl game and Utah's excited as ever and comes in and trounces them. And he's like, if we could have like a reflection of that again, that'd be amazing. And it does kind of add, like I said, this lurking variable that maybe bowl game matchups outside of the playoffs really like don't necessarily say who's the better team. I mean, I don't think anyone would look at the UAB game and be like, Oh yeah, BYU is definitely worse than UAB. With that said, BYU deserves to be ranked near the bottom of the top 25 with a performance like that. So I'm not trying to justify that. And I am still super ticked that our coaches didn't do a better good job of getting our players pumped because we had long-term ramifications for the program and recruiting had we come out and just pummeled them. I mean, yeah. we were positive. We were going to beat them by 21, and that was going to put us in the top 10 most likely. And from there, then we're going to be able to tell recruits, we made the top 10 last year. We may have gotten pushed out of the NY6, but you know what? We're going to make it next year. And we're going to make it the year after that. Like, we're going to just keep climbing this ladder. But now we're going to say, yeah, you know, we did kind of whiff it big time against UAB in Shreveport, Louisiana, of all places, when it was raining in December before Christmas. Yeah. What recruit is going to look at that and be like, that sounds really fun? Well, here's an alternate theory of what's really happening here. And you could explain it by looking at the seasons of Utah. BYU and Utah State. So you have Utah out of conference. They 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 crap the bed against BYU and San Diego State. I think they beat Weber State or something like that. And then they go on and destroy the Pac-12. BYU destroys the Pac-12, struggles against Boise State, struggles against Baylor, struggles against UAB. Utah State goes 2-0 against two good teams in the Pac-12, Washington State and Oregon State. So what's, what's the one theory that can put this all into like making sense in the universe? It's that the Pac-12 is sucks. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really, if you want to explain everything that's happened this year in the state of Utah, it's that the Pac-12 sucks. 
And like, I think most people know that, you know, Utah fans don't want to hear that. They want to believe that the PAC 12 is just a, just a, the East coast bias prevents them from getting the love they deserve. But really it's kind of hard to, other than Oregon beating Ohio state this year, all of the evidence in the world points to the fact that the PAC 12 is basically in a, a mountain West 2.0 right now. And I'm not saying that's always the case or it's going to be the case forever, but right now in the current moment, you could argue that. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's as good of an argument as any, it will, that will really come to show or be beyond display with, with Utah and Ohio state. If Utah gets pummeled, if Ohio state just kills them, then yes. I, I, I think you could look to the Ohio State Oregon game as an anomaly. Anomaly, and even if it wasn't, if that's all they have, because that really is all they have as an entire right. conference to show that, like, hey, we actually are, but we do belong in the P five. Outside of that, and even then, with that, if that's all they have, that still doesn't show because every now and then you'll find a group of five that actually comes out and beats a good P five com- school. It just happens, right. and it happened to be Oregon's turn that year. So. That is interesting. The Pac-12 could be a joke. Uh, most likely is. With that said, it could be. We could be seeing some turning turning around there with uh, Lincoln Riley, obviously at the helm of USC. Um, well, the other thing over- too is, is look at look at how BYU played against the G5 this year. We we barely won every game. I mean, Utah State was a close game until the end. We barely beat South Florida. Uh, Boise State, we lost. Like the Pac-12. If you just look at how BYU played against our opponents, the Pac-12 is probably just garbage. Like, that's probably the best way to explain it. And the UAB game isn't some anomaly. It's just the reality that we played an easier schedule than than it looks like on paper. Um, uh, the One pushback I'd have to that, though, is that we had a lot of close games against a lot of those Pac-12 schools as well, though. I mean, yeah. Washington State could have been, like, pretty mediocre. We struggled big time. In fact, we struggled against them more than anybody else in the Pac-12. Honestly, we you can make an argument that we should have lost to Arizona state, but we've made the justification that we were more disciplined than they were. There's no question yeah. about that. We had less turnovers and just overall, like we came out more prepared in that game than they did. So yeah, we deserved the win, but talent wise had Arizona state just had better coaching and honed it in a little bit more. Yeah. They would have beat us not to mention if it weren't up to that, if it weren't for that one Algier play, it, there's a strong likelihood we straight up would have just lost that game. Yeah, well, um, early in the year too, our our defense had a pulse, and that disappeared by midseason, and we never recovered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's what is Tuyaki's fate? Is it time we pull the plug there? I mean, because it is hard to say for sure. Like on paper, you can't necessarily say Tuyaki's actually a bad D coordinator. You can't on paper, but it does really on the eye test would tell you otherwise. Because I feel like here's another part of my earring of my grievances we relied way too much on turnovers this season. Now I understand that that's a big part of defense, but you can't plan for that. You can maybe take advantage, but you can't plan to have turnovers any game. And in fact, the turnover ratio was on our side every game, except for had to have been Boise state. I think might've been the only one actually Baylor might've been even, I'm not positive on that. You might be able to fact check me there, but we even beat UAB in the turnover ratio there and it didn't make a difference. Well, I think that's kind of where Tuiaki rests his laurels is that his strategy forces teams to extend their drives and thus by having to make, having to execute more plays, they're eventually going to make a mistake. Like the, the analytics would say if they have to run, you know, 12 plays to score, 15 plays to score, chances are somewhere along that line, they're going to make a mistake and create a turnover. And so 
that that's the logic of his defense, but it, it's infuriating to watch, especially when the other team has enough discipline to take little little plays, you know, little dinks and dunks here, little at a time, and go and take half of a quarter and punch a punch a touchdown in. It's like that's so frustrating to watch as a fan. And if you don't get those turnovers you're hoping for, then you're screwed. I'm willing to accept the idea that maybe we've been spoiled uh, with Bronco Mendenhall because Bronco, like, because we can easily make the argument that defensively, talent wise, we just don't stack up against most other major schools. We just don't. We just don't get those recruiting wise. Definitely don't. Yeah, recruiting wise, on a good year, we're in the fifties. But a lot of times, that didn't really make a difference to Bronco Mendenhall. Now. Bronco Mendenhall didn't have the strength of schedule that Tuiaki had this year. There's no question about that. But he he sure took over and made a huge turnaround as soon as he took over the reins of the defense, starting in the Mountain West Conference, I want to say in 2003, right? When he was our defensive coordinator, it was like game over. We were actually we, – we were a different defense from day one, and the discipline was there. It was palpable. And he really carried that on as a head coach for the most part. And then he'd give the reins up to, you know, Jaime Hill, which turned out to be a really bad move. He got fired. And then he gave the reins up to um, Howell. Howell, yeah, Nick Howell, which also was terrible. But then even kind of took him back without actually officially taking them back. But you knew he did. And he oversaw the defense. And all of a sudden, the difference was night and day again. And he did that with really, like, less than par talent a lot of the time. But... Tuiaki playing with roughly the same talent pool, playing against a tougher schedule. I don't know. Have we been spoiled? Like, do you think Bronco Mendenhall is just a way better schemer, way better disciplinarian, and just more kind of like punches offenses in the mouth? And that's why we've had more success under like him for the most part as a defensive coordinator as opposed to Tuiaki. I would say Broncos. I would say Broncos' game plan was more consistent. Like the way Bronco ran a defense. His defense pretty much played the same way week in and week out. They didn't really surprise you in like a positive way or a negative way, but you could depend on the defense basically holding an opponent to like X amount of points. With Tuiaki, that weird style he runs, like it, it can like throw a team off. Like it can throw a, like a pass heavy team that relies on chunk plays. It can throw them off. And so it can work really well on some nights, but on other nights where teams are disciplined, it can be a total disaster. And that's what we saw in the games we lost is, uh, and, you know, including the coastal Carolina game last year uh, is, is that strategy isn't, isn't always going to work. And it's very uh, bipolar in how it works. Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, uh, Baylor Romney played his worst game of this, of the year of ever, honestly, ever uh, for the bowl game. And that was problematic. We still don't know exactly why Jaron Hall was a late scratch. That seemed really strange. Nobody ever talked about it. Then all of a sudden he wasn't playing. Not sure what happened there. Yeah, that was um, weird. Um, yeah, I, the, I guess the the one positive takeaway from the game is we don't have to carry a, a quarterback controversy into next year, which is nice. Yeah, that's true. Any chance Algier comes back? I mean, they interviewed him after the game, um, and he kind of he kind of left the window open. I'm sure his priority, his preference, is going to be to go to the NFL, but I'm sure he's going to wait and see how he gets graded out how the combine goes, where he's projected to go. Um, but, I mean, if he comes back, I mean, it's too bad we didn't win this game because if we win this game and Tyler Ogil comes back, we're talking about a preseason number 12 or 13 ranking. But I think 
now that we lost and we're going to finish the year like 21, that's probably our ceiling for preseason ranking anyway. So, but yeah, still, you know, him coming back gives us a chance to be a dark horse type of playoff team, as crazy as that sounds. I, I kind of don't think he should come back, which I'm generally never that way. Like, I even, like, I was I was adamant Dax Milne should have stayed. I was adamant um, Matt Bushman should have stayed. And I think I think you'd still make arguments for that, no, except for Dax Milne. Dax Milne should have left when he did because his numbers would have gone down this year, no question. Um, but yeah. Looking at it now, you could almost say Zach Wilson should have stayed just because just to avoid the Jets. But yeah, obviously well, he can't control he that. Been, he could have been the number one pick this year if he would have stayed. That's true. Yeah, but who, who does that go to? Is is that the Lions? I think the Lions are going to be number one. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably prefer them over the Jets at this point. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think Algiers got to go, man. I think he does. You got to strike while the iron's hot. I don't think he has. A, I don't think he replicates the season next year. Uh, that he had this year. I think he would get close. I don't think this was anomalous. Like, I actually think he could easily, I say easily, that's kind of crazy, but I do think he could get within spitting distance of 1,500 yards again. I do. Um, well, it will be interesting to see how Jaron Hall does without, like, an all-world running back taking the pressure off of him because this year he really got to rely on Algier opening up the passing game. So what's going to happen when we have, you know, a mediocre running back uh, keeping the running game alive and, and we have to rely more on Jaron's arm? How is he going to do in those situations? Yeah, it'll be interesting, man. Well, that's those are the main airing of grievances I have for BYU football right now. I'm still optimistic to the future. I still think recru- recruiting is pretty promising right now. I think um, the future is bright. I don't know how next year is going to pan out, but uh, I'm excited. I'm glad. I'm still glad Satake got his extension. I have zero regret about being on board with that one. Completely shifted my perspective there, and I've come around because who wouldn't? He's done amazing, all things considered. Um, but you got anything else, though? Um, I did have something. I'm going to have to pull it up here real quick. It's just a funny little exchange I had with a uh, Utah State fan on Facebook. You know, I, I learned years ago to like just stay away from Facebook because um, I don't know. It's just you don't want to like what's the point of having these stupid conversations with strangers? But um, after BYU got ranked number 13 in the, in the CFP rankings, I was pretty pissed. And BYU po- had a post promoting the Independence Bowl, like as if that was good timing to to get, try to get the fans excited for this ridiculous bowl game. And so I my comment on that was. I get the snub for the New Year Six. Michigan State beat Michigan, putting Utah and Pitt over us is an absolute clown show. There is no amount of excuses or logic in the world to account for that. They just didn't want BYU awkwardly sitting there at 11 above their two darling champions from the P5 conferences. So then this other guy, like a bunch of people responded to me, like all these weird trolls like showed up to BYU's page like trolling. But anyway, this one guy um, after the after BYU loses to UAB, so this is like a two-week-old post at this point, he shows up like he's been waiting to respond to this and he just responds with a bunch of clown emojis on my comment. So then I, <laughs> but, so then I look at his profile and he's like this Utah state fan. So then I uh, respond to him. I'm like, it's a good thing BYU and Utah state didn't play this year or you would be owning yourself pretty hard right now. So like obviously said sarcastically, yeah. just, I apparently didn't get it. And he says, dude, BYU and USU did play each other. Ha ha ha. You don't even follow your own team. 
<laughs> I'm just like, who am I talking to right now? Like, how does he a twelve year old Chase? Like, you're talking to a twelve year old. No, like, <laughs> I mean, I get it. Not everyone has a sense of humor, but how do you not understand like rudimentary sarcasm like that is beyond me. So that I, I'm going, I'm going back into my shell, and I'm not going to argue with anyone on Facebook for another ten years. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think you have your answer that when he doesn't like understand like he in other words his default is to think that you really don't think BYU and Utah State played this year like that's what he really thinks and when you're dealing with somebody who really thinks that I mean what's the point of arguing with this person in the first place he's just not too bright of a guy quite frankly you might might as well argue with a fish at that point (laughs) exactly Which, yeah, fish are worth arguing against sometimes. Fish are stupid. Like, fish are freaking stupid, dude. If you own a fish, I'm not sure we could ever be, like, really good friends. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of a... I mean, I guess if you're a kid, there's some utility to a fish, low maintenance. But as an adult, it's not really my thing. If you got a fish, it's acceptable in a white elephant exchange. No other other situation is it okay to get a fish. You know, I've always wondered, how come no one has like pet trout? Like people have pet goldfish and like other, but like, I want to see someone have a pet trout. Because they're ugly. <laughs> that would be amazing. Just, just Goldfish are at least kind of pretty. And is that why people get them? Because they're just kind of pretty. Yeah, I would love it. If, if, there, if there's a listener out there that owns fish, please tell me why. I would absolutely love to know why you own fish because fish are freaking stupid. There's zero personality. I understand that. If you're going to say, tell me just from like a design perspective and how it looks good in your house, maybe, maybe I could see that. But at the end of the day, like if you're going to have anything living, like why not have some sort of personality yeah. attached to it? Well, I, I worked with a, a doctor back in residency and his office had a tank with a bunch of seahorses in it. And by the end of that month, I hated seahorses. Like, like it wasn't just like, oh, I don't really like those. Like, I I would look at that tank and I legitimately hated those seahorses. Something about Wait, it. Just why the seahorse? I don't know. You don't know why? This is weird. Did you know the male seahorse are the ones that get pregnant? Well, that makes sense. It doesn't at all. And in fact, why? In fact, what is up with? Th- I'm going on a tangent here, but it is Festivus. So these are more of my grievances that I'm airing. Fish are stupid. Don't own fish. Okay, that's that. Let me tell you this. Why in the hell would they think a male seahorse was the one that got pregnant? Don't you think the fact that they got pregnant is enough to tell them that that's actually the female seahorse? Are they adamant that like, no, 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 the seahorse genitalia is clearly male. It's like, well, why don't you just flip it? Why don't you just say that genitalia that's with the male is actually it's female. It's not like they have penises or maybe they do, but maybe that's the female version. I don't know. Whoever is getting inseminated seems like the female to me. I don't know. Am I wrong? Uh, so, I mean, maybe maybe you're just sexist, Harper. Maybe that's your problem. Every other animal in the <laughs> world has that same rule, except for the freaking seahorse. And these yeah. scientists are like, yeah, no, we, we don't get it either. The males are the ones that get pregnant. It's like, no, maybe those are the female. Did you ever think of that? I don't know. Yeah, well, they're a worthless creature anyway, so... <laughs> I was wondering, what, what would a seahorse taste like? I can't imagine they taste good. Why don't you check it out sometime? <laughs> I always thought it'd be it'd be funny to... Uh, actually, what I wanted to do when I was working with this doctor is I wanted to get another seahorse and put it in the tank without him seeing and then see when he noticed <laughs> there's another seahorse in there. 
the kind of sick things that go through my mind yeah well eating a seahorse would i feel like would is the most disturbing thing to think about i just (laughs) they look like they would taste terrible i need an actual horse before i ate a seahorse i'm sure i'm sure there are delicacy in one of those uh asian countries but wet market i'm sure you could get it at a wet market did you have any other grievances to air chase uh, I, I'm just angry that I'm 34 years old now. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm joining you in that ridiculous club. Yeah. Happy birthday to you, man. Nice of you to make it. Nice of you to show up. What, uh, yeah. yeah birthdays are kind of overrated though, right? Oh yeah. No, I am at the point where I almost get annoyed when people wish me a happy birthday. As sad as that is, I'm just <laughs> like, I, I don't want this to be a big thing. Like I, is to me, like I, it, it just feels self-indulgent to care about your birthday. I mean, we've had a whole podcast episode about this, but I just, I just don't need to be celebrated. It's like, yeah, like, let's celebrate when I accomplish something or when I reach some significant milestone, like career-wise or something. But just to be alive for another year, I just, man, not doesn't doesn't uh, press my buttons for me. Yeah, I mean, I've made the argument, and I think I don't know if I put it this way on the earlier episode, but I did say like, there's no question, and this is not a spurious correlation. But the older you get celebrating your own birthday, the more insane you get. Those two things work in tandem together. They're both going up on that scale, on that graph. So you heard it here first. I promise you, that's that's a strong correlation, and it is not spurious for sure. I actually what. I was annoyed tonight because I kind of had a free night and I'm like, Hey, it'd be kind of fun to like and go on a date or something. But I'm like, I can't go on a date on my birthday. That'd be weird. I can't, <laughs> like, I can't like ask someone on a date on my birthday. There's a Seinfeld like, episode about exactly, that. Exactly. You can't do that. You look like a, a weirdo. So I'm like, crap, I'm, I'm just stuck like in the house tonight doing work. <laughs> Though I guess I should get some cake. Why? It is my birthday. What? <laughs> That's the first date that Jerry has. And like his friends are convinced she's a loser. Anyway, gosh, I love that show too much. We're here. We are celebrating essentially an episode with this whole podcast episode of ours. But. Speaking of cake, I no no more cake for me because I just weighed in and I'm 10 pounds heavier than I've ever been in my life, which is insane because I've always kind of been able to skate by and just stay within a certain range. And suddenly you turn 34. That's not the case anymore, apparently. So, uh, Happy Definitely birthday to you, man. To, yeah, time for me to hit the gym again. But, how how much does your dad weigh? I don't know. I know he's been as high as 230 in the past, but I'm pretty sure he's cut it down to like around, probably around the same as me right now. Probably like 215. What? So, and you guys are about the same height, right? He's Yeah, he's maybe an inch taller than me, but yeah, it's a pretty, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. So. You're just turning into Glenn. That's yeah, all. No, it's inevitable. It's, I will be below 200 by June, I promise. That's my promise to myself and to the listeners and to you. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. All right. Chase, this is our last episode of the year. Really appreciate the time you've taken, all the hours you've taken to be a part of this podcast. It's been fun to see the growth. Um, I have a lot of people to thank. But nobody uh, more than you, which I know I don't really want to put you on the spot because you don't like this kind of thing. But thank you. I appreciate the time you've taken, seriously, to come on at random times and to prioritize this at least a little bit. So it's well, been let's nice. be on- let's be honest, though. Like, really, this podcast hasn't changed much because we're basically just taking our phone calls and putting them on a podcast. <laughs> it's like, true. These, this podcast has existed for years. It just was never recorded. And now, now we have it. And, and only I would have the hubris to think that anybody else might want to listen to this, but guess what? Turns out there are some, 
There are yeah. some out there that do. It, it turns out that some people must be very bored to want to listen right. to our dribble, but hey, I'll take it. Well, cheers to them and cheers to you and cheers to 2022. Do you have any fun New Year's plan or is a New Year's as stupid as a holiday as we all think? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really wanting to avoid some of the, the uh, annual parties I've gone to in the past. I'll probably go to our buddy Cam's cabin. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have much else going on. So what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking I don't want to really even do a party period, but we'll see. I mean, I'm always, I still, I'm convinced one of the best new years I've experienced was randomly finding myself in a dive bar with a few friends outside of Zion national park ringing in the new year with them, some random ska band that was on tour. I mean, it was yeah. just like, you look at that, you kind of look around you're like, how did I find myself here? And like, it was cause we just weren't like, we were just kind of going, we were just kind of like, Hey, we heard there's this, so let's do that. You know? And I don't mean to say that like, Oh, if you go to a party, you're stupid. But I really was just kind of like, I've been to this same party for a couple of years in a row. And I was just like, there's no better way to tell me straight up that I have not progressed in the last year than finding myself at the exact same damn party on new year's and the exact same time of the year. Well, you, something that I've noticed being back in Utah for a good six months now is it's really bizarre to me how people here deep into their thirties are still so heavily invested in having this massive intricate social life. It's like, I get that in your twenties and even like your late twenties, but you reach a certain point where it's like, is this really still our top priority is to have like, to know everyone in the scene. And like, I just can't, I don't have the energy or the care to keep doing that. No, no, I get it, man. I definitely get it. Well, thanks again, Chase. Let's have a good 2022. Let's think of more things that tick us off over the, uh, over time and uh, come in. Yeah. Right. Come in, just come in with a bang for 2022. And just see where Alrighty. it takes us. All right. Well, happy new year to you and the fall. Happy new year. Happy birthday, dude. Fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. This is the best festival ever. an hourglass sitting on my table I'm watching as everything's changing my mind goes to a different time old love I remember falling so madly there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night cause I could almost see it did you fade right takes time, I, I, if it takes time, I.